Welcome to The Thing About X. I know this podcast usually deals in fictions, but everything I'm about to detail is possible, and most of it, I can assure you, is currently being done. I tell you this only so that you are aware that I know enough about this topic to be honestly afraid of a very concrete thing. I am afraid of hacking. Specifically, I am afraid of spearfishing. That's fishing with a PH. I think it's kind of a stupid term, but it's an easy shorthand. I'll define it. Normal PH phishing is best exemplified by the emails you would get asking you to change a password to a credit card that you may or may not have, or for your email account, or informing you of the distant relative in Nigeria who wanted to wire you money. Years ago, they were comedically bad, filled with typos, poorly formatted, and they were generally dumb ideas to begin with. The emails sent you to sites that wouldn't fool anyone, and when you'd hear about someone falling for it and losing thousands, you'd think, how could anyone be that stupid? These phishing attempts have gotten better. If they can find a name to tie to your email address, and lists are easy to find and buy on the gray market, they'll be personalized to you. The websites the emails link out to look correct, and the grammar issues have all but disappeared. The big mail carriers and most spam filters are good at catching these attempts, but when one gets through, it takes a wary diligence not to fall for it. The thing about spear phishing is that it takes this customization to a whole new level. I've worked with clients that have been targets of this, and I've seen all the tactics I'm about to describe. Instead of targeting everyone they pulled out of a spreadsheet and hoping for a bite, to use the phishing metaphor, the spear fishermen do their research. They usually target a finance officer, or someone two or three down from the top executive, a person they know should have the ability to send a wire. Here's a fun fact for you, it's easy to change the reply to field and make it seem like the person sending the message is someone else they work with. And if you hit reply, it'll go to the correct person, so it seems legitimate. Usually the person they mimic is the CEO or another superior, and the tone they employ discourages verification. The email comes across as a mildly irate email from your boss telling you to send an approved wire transfer immediately. If you expand out the details, you'll see the scammer's email address laid plain. But it can get more complicated than that. The fisherman can purchase a domain that nearly matches the would-be victims. For example, your URL is summer.com, S-U-M-M-E-R. They would buy one that's spelled summer, S-U-M-N-N-E-R. The two N's, when you're reading it quickly, look like a single M. Lowercase L's become I's, B's turn to D's. I've seen an O followed by an L look like a D. And when everything is lowercase, your eyes simply do not see it, even when you're diligent. And when this is the case, the fisherman really does control the email address you respond to. It can get more insidious. I've seen an organization infiltrated. This is what happened. The fisherman found the company's website, presumably. And that website handily had the names, positions, and email addresses of everyone on their staff. They targeted multiple employees who would be in a position to request and make a wire transfer. They sent these upper management employees an email purporting to be from their cloud email hosting service, saying it was time to change their password. The link the employees followed took them to a web page that was convincing enough that the employees who fell for it entered their old passwords and 
quote-unquote made a new one. This website recorded their email address and password combination. Since nearly everyone at this organization uses their phones or applications with stored passwords, the employees didn't enter their passwords with any regularity and didn't find it odd that they weren't prompted to change their password elsewhere. So the fishermen now had access to multiple employees' email accounts, which included all of their historical email. In cases like the Sony hack or the DNCs, the treasure the fishermen was after was the email itself. In this case, it was the ability to send emails out from that account that were indistinguishable from the actual individuals. The fishermen didn't rush. They did their research and crafted expertly formed requests. The emails they sent out as our victim had a lot of things going for them. The email signature matched. A common tell is when they don't. The font and color choices matched as well. Even the tone of the writing was close enough. They'd gone through the individual's history and found the kinds of repeated transactions that wouldn't draw attention. The fisherman even concocted an email thread between other individuals within the company talking about this transaction, so it looked like it passed by and been vetted by a large number of eyes before it was forwarded on to our mark, just asking the recipient to process the transfer. It was disturbingly normal, and that was its purpose, just a regular transaction sent at the beginning of the workday. As you'd expect, however... The routing number didn't belong to the client. It just directed the cash out of the country. They also created a rule within Outlook so that any email sent to the victim would automatically get filtered into the deleted mail folder, where the fisherman could read it before transferring it to the inbox and marking it as unread, or responding on behalf of our victim. They did their best to be invisible. But think about it for a second. There is someone else in the world, probably nervous and excited, reading this employee's email as it came in and probably watching their bank account just waiting for that wire transfer to show up. It was a smart and thoroughly researched plan. It was so smart it only failed because the account they'd chosen to pull the money from didn't have enough money to cover the wire. It was six figures. And that wasn't an unreasonable sounding request for this organization. Six figures is certainly enough of an incentive to go through the level of commitment and deception. In further research, I can tell you the fisherman also sent out email to other companies my client had worked with, requesting wire transfers from them as well, but they were met with the appropriate skepticism. I think those requests were Hail Marys, sent after the first attempt failed. In total, I have to admit I almost admire the intricacy. For the companies I've assisted in untangling these phishing attempts, the benefit is that they are finally open to using multi-factor authentication and have usually changed the policies to match the recommendations I was making years ago when the attempts were much less sophisticated. But often the diligence grows lax over time, and their frustration with the extra security measures means they get sidestepped with frequency. In my last few years in the industry, I'm aware of a half dozen attempts on companies I've worked with. I will tell you that one of them was successful, though it was much smaller than the one I've detailed here. Some of them have been handed off to the FBI, but that is generally up to the discretion of my clients. I'm not sure what happens to them after that. But all I can think is that I've seen the fishermen fund themselves for another year and take their time to do the research required to successfully spearfish. Or maybe they fund themselves and a terrorist organization. I really don't know, and I'm not at liberty to tell you the additional sparse details that I do know. Okay, so here's where the speculation starts. The Sony and DNC hacks were spearfishing operations largely designed to embarrass, discredit, and fill organizations with uncertainty and fear. 
and the ones that I've seen are simply about making money. But what if their purpose was instead to gain influence? I ask you to imagine this. Some organization uses all of these techniques to hijack the account of a congressman's assistant. The fisherman might not even use the victim's email, but instead simply put someone else in their organization on the congressman's calendar or delete the appointments of their rivals. The congressman and their staff have enough going on that it wouldn't be that odd for a meeting with a lobbyist representing a foreign power to show up for a meeting that no one really remembers making. This is especially true if it's about something that mostly matches the congressman's current stance. They could use the access to just push their agenda slightly. It gets scarier. Imagine that the congressman is also compromised. His assistant gets an email asking for a meeting to be made with a reasonable email thread behind it that includes other, mostly reasonable information. Or the fisherman could send out emails to individual in the same committee as our victim, pushing for a specific vote or consideration of a bill that's on the table. Or an alteration to that bill to change some quote-unquote unclear wording that the fisherman may have had a hand in crafting. Or the fisherman could use Adobe's Voco or some similar software to emulate that congressman's voice, saying what they want him to say by utilizing the audio delivered on C-SPAN to build their library. It'd be especially easy to do with politicians who've had more time in the media. Then the fisherman could find another congressman's phone number, and by looking at a shared calendar, know when he won't be available to answer, and use that time to leave him a voicemail, emphasizing the email the fisherman had already sent. It'd be some convincing verification across multiple lines of communication. Because even compared to hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, influence could matter so much more. Maybe our fisherman's country wants a trade deal or sanctions lifted. Or maybe they'd want to push controversial domestic issues so that their actions abroad would be largely ignored. An intelligent and diligent IT staff can't prevent all of this. Even when they try, an IT staff certainly couldn't make everyone constantly diligent or skeptical or even follow best practices. All of this potential terrifies me. I don't know that it is happening or that it has ever happened, but I fully understand that it can happen right now and we might have no idea. This has been The Thing About X. 